This is Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. It's new people, new policies, and pros for today's military women on the move. Women-owned businesses is a specific designation used by American government agencies, industry leaders, and associations to engage special programs to measure, encourage, and empower women business ownership. America now has a thriving women veteran-led business enterprise center anchored in the great state of Texas that is dedicated to helping today's women veteran entrepreneurs succeed as new and emerging women veteran-owned business leaders. In today's episode of Enterprising Women Veterans, you will meet the founder of one of the fastest growing enterprise centers dedicated to the business success of America's women veterans, military women, and members of military families. Now here's your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. Welcome to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the award-winning podcast, and I'm your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. The U.S. Census Bureau released its annual business survey report on business ownership in America. They reported that there's over 12 million women-owned businesses here in our country. They employ approximately 9 million people and they generate $1.7 trillion in sales. The Census Bureau survey also reports that there's 2.5 million veteran-owned businesses, with women veteran business owners representing the fastest-growing segment of that market at 15%. However, there are flagrant challenges for women veteran entrepreneurs in their quest for sourcing capital, business development training, and hands-on coaching in the day-to-day fundamentals of business operations. But help is on the way. Today's special guest is Miss VR Small. She's a Navy veteran. She's also a longtime advocate for women in executive leadership. And she is the founder and CEO of the Veteran Women's Enterprise Center. I'm looking forward to today's exciting conversation on how today's enterprising women veterans are choosing to go to the next level in their small business transformations. So you're invited to join me as we welcome today's special guest, Ms. VR Small, after this short break. I'm VR Small, founder and CEO for the Veteran Women's Enterprise Center. I'm super excited to be a part of the podcast posse with Women Veteran Rock on the Hill, the podcast. Would you like to be recognized as a podcast conversation starter? Send your suggestions and ideas for upcoming shows to us at info at womenvetsrock.org because we're always elated to hear from our audience in the podcast community. Have you signed up for the Women Veterans Rock newsletter? We're blogging on families, finances, friends, and all things fresh for women. Go to our website at womenvetsrock.org and subscribe to stay up to date on all things Women Vets Rock and get the next issue delivered directly to your inbox. Good afternoon, Ms. V.R. Small. I am just delighted that you are able to join us here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, and I just want to thank you for being a part of today's conversation. 
Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm ready to rock. I'd like to start with learning more about Ms. V.R. Small. So please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, as you said, I'm V.R. Small. I'd like to say I am a self-proclaimed Army brat. My stepfather is a retired Vietnam veteran. My sister will never leave the Army. She's 30 years um, reserved now. And I am a Navy veteran. I went in at 17 as a hospital corpsman, went on to operating technician school, and finished my, my tour in clinical investigations. When I left the military, uh, I thought I was going to go into music, and I headed from California to New York. And I didn't quite go into music. I went into corporate America. I moved from there into the nonprofit industry. I started my own business. Um, small industries, organizational success, success strategies. I was the founder and executive director for the Brooklyn Executive Business Women's Association, and I left New York. Right before I left New York, I was director of the Center for Healthy Living at Long Island University. Um, we had a new president come on, and my division was eliminated, and it became the perfect opportunity to transition. I had been in New York for many years, but I knew I wanted to return to Dallas. And so that whole ordeal just created the perfect opportunity for me to transition. And in 2015, I moved back to Dallas. In 2016, I joined a group called Honor, Courage, and Commitment, and I was working on a business concept. And while I was going through that process, I was introduced to this program for women veteran entrepreneurs, and it just sounds phenomenal, this three-day event, uh, they had a ball and then all of these conferences, and it was happening in Lubbock, Texas. And I thought, this is fantastic. I hope they're going to bring it to Dallas. And mm-hmm. I made several calls to find out about it. And um, they finally called me and said, hey, we, we, we tried to reach out to some people in Dallas, but we couldn't, we couldn't connect with them. And I said, try again. I know a lot of great programs in the state of Texas. It's just a phenomenal place for veterans. And it turned out they did another conference call, and about 10 to 12 organiza- organizations jumped on, and we had a phenomenal event, absolutely mm. phenomenal roll call, which went on for about three years. And I – coordinated the entrepreneur component. Mm. And I worked with my before we put together a phenomenal event. And what was really super interesting was that some of the women kept coming back to me and saying, hey, what's next? And I really didn't understand the question, you know, what do you mean what's next? You can connect with SCORE for mentoring. You know, what can I do? And what they were really asking mm-hmm. is when can we as women veterans get together again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led to the research for the Women Veterans Enterprise Center. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, w- I was always very interested in what led you to that place. And thank you for giving us that background because you've had a really active integrated experience in getting you to the doorsteps of opening the doors to the Veteran Women's Enterprise Center. Tell us a bit about your mission at the Veteran Women's Enterprise Center. I'm so glad you asked. We, we worked very intensely on developing our mission because as an individual and with a background in organizational development, I understand the value of your mission, and we try to live our mission. So um, I want to break it down for you. 
So our mission is to help entrepreneur women associated with the military, and that includes veterans, active duty, reservists, and female military spouses scale for success. And we do this through four strategies. First, we establish strategic alliances, such as the one we have with the Homeless Veterans Services of Dallas. This nonprofit organization manages the Veteran Transitional Resource Center for the VA, which is a complex where we have our model facility. It is 2,700 square feet. We have 16 modern co-working units, a oh conference center that seats 50 auditorium style, a cafe lounge, huge hallways, our staff offices, and a dedicated mentoring facility or mentoring room. Mm-hmm. Next, we leverage public and private opportunities, and this is really where our programs come from our relationships with the city, with the state, with federal organizations, and with corporations, we're able to identify where there are gaps that are needed for our entrepreneurial women. And Mm so last year was really critical. You see, we knew when the CARES Act, before the CARES Act came out, when they were negotiating it and talking about it, Mm -hmm. as soon as I heard, I started calling my partners, particularly my bank partners. And I said to them, our clients are not going to be able to get to the table. Mm-hmm. Many of our clients are emerging business owners, and they do not have established financial institutional relationships. And we've been talking about that, how important that is since mm-hmm. we started the organization, but no one was really, you know, buying into the narrative. And so this particular incident with the CARES Act, really showed how important these relationships were because, as you know, thousands, if not millions of small businesses did not get to the table. And the bank does not call you having a relationship with them because you have a checking or savings account. A relationship with the bank is one in which they are making money. So that means you have a credit relationship, a credit account or a loan with One of my clients who had been banking with an institution for over 17 years could not get her loan done with them because she did not have any type of loan or credit with them, just a business banking account. And so it's so important that businesses understand how institutions perceive their relationships. And we have reached out to our partners and said, hey, we're going to need some grant money. We're going to have to be able to help these businesses because they are not going to get to the table. And they did. Mm. The second time around, they put out more money and they opened up more institutions, CDFIs, and small banks to try to get these businesses to the table. And we found out another critical problem. Mm-hmm. A lot of small businesses are not financially astute. Yeah. And even with all of the strategies that the federal government put in place, they could not put their packages together to meet the requirements of these institutions in order to file for this money. If you would take a moment just to remind people exactly what the CARES Act was and what was the intention of the CARES Act to provide relief for businesses. The business component had two key elements. So you had your PPP. That Paycheck Protection Program was to help businesses retain their employees. So if you had your proper financials and you were giving account for everyone that was working for you, 
You mm-hmm. can give all those documents together and apply for support. The exact time period, I think they had given them six months or so forth, and you could apply to cover all of your staff for that time period. It was extremely confusing because by the time people had gotten the money, because it didn't come out quickly, the time period had almost expired. Mm. So many small businesses received the money and were scared to use it because they said, wait a minute, I had to use it by this time period, but I've just gotten it. Will you still forgive it? Can I still use it for this? So mm-hmm. I know, and we all know, the federal government was trying to do their best to provide support in a very critical situation that kind of erupted out of the blue. Mm-hmm. But it was very convoluted and extremely confusing, and mm-hmm. our small business administration was simply overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In those four pillars, you started talking about the importance of strategic alliances and how that was able to be a connector for all the things that you're looking to do through the Enterprise Center. Then you started to tell us a bit about the public-private partnerships. What was number three in those four pillars? Having moved to number three, number three is that we advocate for relevant research, services, and funding. And then number four, if we want to just go through all four of them, is that we simultaneously provide the personal and professional resources that our business owners need to succeed. And we do that on site at the center. So what we have in the DFW area is our model facility. Of course, it's only 2,700 square feet. The entire enterprise center concept is actually three levels. We have a residential program. We have the model facility with all of the co-working and the conference, and then we have a retail component so that we're able to follow the business from conception to their growth model so they're able and ready to be out on their own. That is amazing. So when you look at the concept of your model from conception until they uh, maintain some independence and also sustainability. What's the average time frame that you spend with an organization in that growth and development process? Well, the model facility has has only been launched since really 2020. We just got everything taken care of as we moved into 2020, and so we haven't ran our full program from them coming into residential. That component doesn't exist yet. We have mm-hmm. our architects working on our full design now, and I can tell you, when it is released, you, you and everyone else are going to be amazingly surprised because one of the things that we do when we look at a program is that it is something that can be sustainable. It can be scalable, and it can be replicated across our nation. And so we're very excited about that concept coming out. What we're doing right now is making sure that our businesses can recover, mm-hmm. stabilize, and continue mm-hmm. to grow in this in the midst of this pandemic and beyond. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to congratulate you on the, the foundation that you've laid thus far. And, and I, as I said to you before, I'm really impressed with the commitment and the passion that you have for your work. And I'd like for you to tell us a bit about your center because you described this facility that sounds just phenomenal and you are able to accommodate so many variations of the work that you're trying to achieve. Where is your center and tell us about the physical location again? Absolutely. So we are at 4900 South Lancaster Road in Dallas, Texas. 
Mm-hmm. That is actually about a block and a half from the main Dallas Medical Center in the DFW area. And if you want to learn more about web development, you want to learn more about marketing, sales, mm-hmm. finance, whatever it is, you can come to our facility, you can have a seat in the cafe lounge, and those programs will be running. And in addition, we want to coordinate that there will be a mentor on site that mm-hmm. can talk to you about what you just saw if you have questions. So we have lined up every one of our days to be team-focused. For us, we have Managing Monday, everything to do with managing your business. Mm-hmm. So if you have questions about managing business, you know you can stop by on Monday, and we're going to have somebody there that's going to mm-hmm. be able to assist you. Tuesdays are Technology Tuesday. So if you're having issues with technology, you know that on a Tuesday you can schedule time to get in and see someone about your technology. Mm-hmm. Wednesday is wellness because we cannot forget that our health is really the foundation of our wealth. And if we're not healthy, we are not going to be able to effectively run our businesses or manage our people. Absolutely. Thursdays are trending Thursdays. And there's just so many things that don't fit into our pocket, but they are so relevant to our business. And we have seen businesses who are at the top of their game, but they became complacent. And the mm-hmm. next thing you know, a small group came along and just sweeped them out of the way. Mm-hmm. From Wayne being taken over by IBM, IBM being kicked out by HP, HP being blown away by Apple, you have to constantly be on your game and aware of the trends in your industry. And last but not least, we have Financial Fridays because you've got to be looking at your money all the time. All the time. Your money is critical. Your cash flow is critical. There's always ways to reduce your expenses so that you can increase your profits. You have to constantly be reviewing those things and never accept what's going on now as this is all that I can do or this is the only way it can be done. That's mm-hmm. why we talk about innovations. There are always new and different ways that you can maximize your business, which means you can increase your profits and decrease your expenses. Mm-hmm. Well, that is phenomenal. And once again, I have to congratulate you not only on the facility that you have conditioned for this very um, progressive sort of work environment. I love the mission of this co-working space because as I listen to you, Ms. Small, I hear how you have set up your programs, you have set up your physical space to align with those four pillars around strategic alliances, the open workspace, the public-private partnerships, the resources and advocacy. Those all fit into what I heard you just describe in terms of your program and your physical layout. I'd like to dig more into the veteran women coming to your organization. Are we talking about um, enterprising women that are in emerging startups? We are designed. The center was designed to help the business owner who had started their program. They've been in business four, five, six, seven years, but they're hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. They cannot get to that next level. And I have never believed, although I've heard the statistics, most businesses, you know, don't make it to their fifth year. They don't make it to their seventh year. And my question has always been, why? Yeah. What, what's happening? Why are we spending all of this time creating business plans and supporting startups only to basically throw them into the sea and say, if you make it back to the boat, great. 
And I knew that there had to be more that we could do. So we focus in on those community businesses. They may not be the biggest money makers, but they are the change makers because, and I always say this, we are not just building businesses. We are transforming lives. When we help a female veteran entrepreneur become self-sufficient, she is usually not a one-woman show. She is a single mom or she is part of a family nucleus. So when we help her, we're strengthening our family. Mm-hmm. When we strengthen our family, we support our community. Mm-hmm. And data tells us that women give when they have money and they give where they're connected. And we know women are connected to their community. And last but not least, small business is the crux, it's the foundation of this nation. Mm-hmm. So when we help small businesses, we are literally fueling our economy. Now, we have women come to us who are startups, and, and I tell my board all the time, I know that they're not our ideal client, but we're not turning any woman away. Good. So we will work with a startup, but that's not what we're designed for. We are designed for that business that is trying to get to the next level. And what I like to say that we are is we are a gap builder. We have organizations such as SAC 10,000 and the SBA Emerging Leaders that are supposed to take businesses at the quarter of a mill level and take them to the million dollar. I don't need to replace them. Those programs are good and they work. What we need to do is make sure that businesses get to that point mm-hmm. so that they qualify and become a part of that process. One of my ladies for my next level business transformation program she has been in business over 10 years, and it wasn't until she came to our program, she finally applied to the SAC 10,000 program, and she is now in that program, taking her business to the next level. Well, that is fantastic because I hear you describe the uh, participating businesses in the enterprise centers as money makers and also change makers. You are on point about the impact and influence of women on our economy, on our families, and on business development across this country. You mentioned government contracting. Uh, We've been working as women business owners for decades trying to achieve the the realize the 5% set aside in government contracts for women-owned businesses as well as obviously um, veteran women-owned businesses. How are we doing or how is the federal government doing as an entity in terms of achieving that 5% set-aside goal? Well, there's still work to be done, but there have been changes that are really good. One, the SBA is now doing their own certification, so you're no longer able to self-certify as a woman. And that adds more credibility to your certification with the SBA as Mm woman-owned. Also, in the changes, they are now doing sole sourcing, and Mm -hmm. they are doing contracting for women veterans, not women veterans, but for women. Mm-hmm. So as a woman, and, and women, we constantly do this, so I definitely want to make sure I get to share this. If we look at an RFP and, it, and we can't cover everything in it, we'll set it aside. But what you need to do is team up. Yes. I can't do everything in that contract. But I can get three or four other women 
who do the graphics, which is not my area of expertise, who does the accounting, which is not my area of expertise, who does the, the outreach or the HR, and I get those three women in, and now I have 100% woman-owned. Mm-hmm. We've got mm-hmm. to start thinking more as a collaborative. We have got mm-hmm. to trust each other more. We've got to work toward operating, networking, and collaborating because that is the name of the game. And I want to tell you a story, and I mean it. I met two veteran gentlemen at a networking event. Mm-hmm. When we here, they came up with an idea and realized that they had a connection. Those guys went the next day and did their partnership and went out the contract and got it. That mm-hmm. was it. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. They were money. Mm-hmm. We have got to get to the place where we can recognize opportunities, we can mm-hmm. trust each other, and we can move forward to make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not always happening. And that's something we as women are going to have to do within our circle. Mm-hmm. Well, you cannot state that enough the importance about collaborations and strategic alliances, because when you began outlining the four pillars of your organization, the first thing you mentioned was strategic alliances. And I agree with you that we have to commit, prepare, and train ourselves with being able to bring together these entities for the purposes of satisfying these multi-million dollar contracts so that we can get them. And you're right. In the environment in which we exist today, Today, where small businesses really are the engine of business in America, there is no expectation for one entity to do all of the pieces. We do have to work together to be able to generate a collaborative environment. Now, you talked about military women, which is something I loved hearing you say. When you were describing the kind of uh, women that you um, service and attract to the Enterprise Center, you didn't just say women veterans. You used a more expansive definition. You talked about military spouses and other members of military families. Talk to me a little bit about the percentage of women that you have. Are they all women veterans? Do you have spouses? How is that working in your organization? Well, I'm going to have to say that Probably 95%, if we go on our 2020 numbers, are women veterans. We do have more women spouse beginning to connect to us. I think our name can be deceiving, and and we don't want to change that. We are going to continue to be the Veteran Women Enterprise Center, but what we have begun to change is our verbiage and letting people know we are serving entrepreneurial women associated with the military. And we don't mm. always give a further explanation, and that's by, that is really done on purpose because we want you to act, does that include me? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because so many female veterans do not self-identify. True. And one of the reasons is because they don't feel that they are a quote-unquote veteran if they didn't deploy Mm-hmm. Some even don't feel that they are a veteran if they didn't serve a certain uh, number of years. Mm-hmm. And I hear that the guys have some of these same perspectives, but I'm, I'm going to stay in my lane. So we need to make sure that when we're trying to serve the military entrepreneur community, that we're speaking their language and we're mm-hmm. asking the right questions. 
We need to ask you, did you serve in the military? Because if you served, you are a veteran. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing we need to do is remember, most active duty is going to at some time transition. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure we're available to them. We don't want it to be this last-minute thought that mm-hmm. now I'm getting out the military, what am I going to do? If you want to start a business, you can start connecting with us right now. You can start jumping on to sessions. You can start getting information. You can get you a mentor so that you can begin to put your plan in place because it does take time mm-hmm. if you're going to do it right. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. by the time you get out the military, you filed your LLC, you know yeah. where you want to be stationed, you've identified your clients, you've set up your website, you begin developing your social media, you are about ready to go live. In fact, you may even have some customers. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting out the military and trying to figure out the next step. You are in debt. Well, I want to encourage people to go to your website because I've gone to your website several times, and I spend a lot of time on there going through the uh, uh, models that you have, the programs that you have, and I think that it is important for people to know that this website is a great first place to start. And so tell us about maybe the top three things that a person needs to do to get ready to be um, considered for some of the work that you're doing there to help women veteran business owners move to the next level. So one of our programs that we are funded to run this year and we will launch in second quarter is our next level business transformation. And I cannot tell you how proud I am of our 2020 fellas. This program was 25 hours of technical assistance along with a $5,000 grant. This year it is 50 hours of technical assistance, and the first session will come with a $5,000 grant because we are, uh, as I said, funded for the first quarter. Wow. The program really gives you your foundation. Mm-hmm. We help you cover, but we help you stabilize. What are the things you need to do to stabilize your business? We are not going to let you go with a checkbox if you came to a session. Every one of their series, they have an outcome. Mm-hmm. They are building their operating manual for their business. They have technology, sales. They have to do a sales forecast so we know they understand how to sell because so many businesses confuse sales with marketing. Mm-hmm. They can post it on, sale on Facebook, and now the world's just going to come running to them. Now, you've got to complete your sales process here. We also talked to them about building their business credit, and all of our women came out with their first line of business credit with a major bank. Wow, that's fantastic. That's part of the program. With, they got their, their secure line of business credit with a major bank, and now it is up to them to build that, mm-hmm. to build on that so that they can continue to have their credit line increase and their relationship with the bank increase so that the next time they need to go to their bank for assistance, they have a real banking relationship that the bank respects and the bank recognizes. And it's not just a business account. It is a line, it is a credit line, not a line of credit, but a credit line. Mm -hmm. They also get their, they get their SAM set up. We do the SAM process with them. So they're set up on SAM because they can't do contracting with the government if they haven't put that piece together. And we also go through sales tax. So many businesses get caught up and hung up 
when it comes to their taxes and how they do business, particularly now with all of the businesses that's going on online by not having their sales tax in order mm-hmm. and not charging the proper things. And the government doesn't care what you don't know. It's your responsibility to find out. Right. That's right. That's right. And so well, this is really the way we spend a tremendous amount of time on financing, making sure they understand their financial statements. And this year we've even brought in financial accounting to make sure that they know how to go into Excel, set up all of their procedures. They can download it from any platform that they're using, but they can pull up their cash flow. Mm -hmm. They can Mm -hmm. pull up their expenses. They can look at their finances and talk business finance at the level that if they went into a bank, the bank would know this business knows their finances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They know what they're doing, and they know where their money is, and they know where their money's going. And that makes a bank feel comfortable when they know that you know your money as Absolutely. well as your business. Absolutely. Well, this is great insight into business development and, more importantly, getting businesses to the next level. Before we close today's conversation, I want to ask you, is there one business success story that you feel particularly excited or proud of that you'd like to share with us? You know, all of my ladies are are doing uh, really well. It, could I share a couple of testimonies? Would that Please. Be okay? Please do. All right. So this is Ms. Kelly Mumphrey. Kelly is the founder and CEO for Milk Space LLC, and mm-hmm. she provides breastfeeding kits for women. And we know how important that is. Yes. And had to say about her participation in the program. The NLBT program has not only equipped Milk Space LLC with invaluable business tools, but also instilled a new sense of confidence and my ability to apply for opportunities such as the Bill Grant to assist with my business stability and growth. Mm-hmm. Acquiring the Bill Grant is just one of many testimonies that validates the value of the NLBT program. Milk Space LLC was once a stagnant business on the verge of being dismantled, and now it's transformed into a small business positioned to thrive and create impact beyond what I could ever imagine. Well, kudos to them. That is fantastic. And I understand why you are so proud of all of the ladies that participate in your program. I just have to congratulate you again on the phenomenal work that you're doing. Today's conversation was more of an education, and it's an education that we all need to hear about and learn about. I just can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing. Are there any final words you'd like to share with our listeners? I definitely would like to just say one last thing. Um, During 2020, and I I told you before, we found out how important financial literacy is. And we will be kicking off this year our financial first boot camp with SMU. And that boot camp will be the conduit to our business growth and access to capital loan fund. Now, we have a $100,000 loan fund in collaboration with the American First National Bank and People Fund which will allow women to access loans from $2,500 to $10,000 at a fixed 3% rate for 12 months. 
We want wow. you to keep your mind open. We know PPP is out there. We're not going to try to compete with PPP, but we mm-hmm. also know everybody is not going to get to the table for PPP. And that's one of the reasons why we're holding off because, again, we want to fill the gap. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you can get that government funding, go and get it. But for those of you who may <laughs> miss that for whatever reason, we want mm-hmm. you to know that we're not just talking access to capital, but we're making sure that it's available to you. Well, it has been a joy to have you here with us today, and I am looking forward to having you join us again here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, and I thank you for being today's special guest. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an awesome experience, and we want to salute the work that you all are doing at Women Vet Rock. It is absolutely amazing. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You'll be notified of upcoming episodes so you can join us in the public square for more stimulating conversations. We thank you for listening. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor of this episode, Comcast NBC Universal, for their support of women veterans, military families, and America's entire military community. For more information on how Comcast NBC Universal is supporting America's military community or their important work as a military-friendly corporation, visit their website in the description of this episode below. And there's one last thing before we go. Taking your business to the next level is an intentional decision. It is one that begins with a clear strategy, and it is aided by sources of secure capital, and it is a decision that is nurtured in a business development network that comes equipped with business mentors, sponsors, and like-minded women business leaders. In this brave new world of business enterprise, there are ample opportunities for women entrepreneurs to move up to the next level. And in the words of Melinda Emerson, also known as the small biz lady and one of America's leading small business experts, she says, you never really lose in business. You either win or you learn. Now, Posse, take us home. Hola, como estas? This is Jay Latrey. If you enjoyed the music in today's episode, please feel free to follow me on Instagram at L-A-T-R-E-Y Music, where I'm constantly posting new music and upcoming releases for the show. Thank you. Peace, love, nothing but the best. Latrey, out.